Hey friends, welcome back to the Black Diamond Podcast. This is your host, Eric Malzone. And this is the show where I have the absolute pleasure of interviewing entrepreneurs, founders, change makers, and people who are just creatively leading the way through innovation. And it's not only about successes and, and great stories, because you'll definitely get those, but it's also about the personal challenges and the vulnerability that we face along the way. So this show is brought to you by Level 5 Mentors, helping entrepreneurs and founders achieve the highest levels of freedom in five different categories, time, money, relationships, health, and purpose. And if you want to find out how you're doing in those five categories, we got you covered. We got a survey for that. Just go to level5mentors.com forward slash survey, and you can take the free entrepreneurial survey and see how you're doing in each category and see where you have room for improvement because, hey, we can always be improving. So welcome to the show. Let's get on to it. James Mulvaney, welcome to the show, man. How's it going, Eric? It's going really well. And uh, I, I mean, this is really exciting for me because I get to talk about probably one of my favorite topics, podcasting. And uh, yeah. you know, you, you've, uh, you've been in the trenches for a very long time, my friend, and I'm excited to have you. So thanks for making the time. And you know, as always, when I, when I start into these interviews, I just like to get more of your entrepreneurial story from your point of view. Um, so we'll get into all the companies that you have, you know, uh, radio.co, podcast.co, uh, matchmaker.fm and all the really, really cool things that you do. But mm-hmm. man, how did you, how did you become an entrepreneur? What's your backstory? So my backstory is, um, I've never had a job, believe it or not. So I'm, <laughs> I'm just turned 33 and, and I've been doing this now. So since I was about 16, I, I kind of started out straight from finishing high school before I went into, so basically we go and do two years, which is called A-levels, which is kind of college in the UK before then going to university. And I did all of that. But throughout that kind of educational time, literally on my 16th birthday, I think I had to be 16 to get a PayPal account. Um, so my dad always said to me throughout growing up, you know, the, starting his business was the best decision he ever made. He had many jobs working in all sorts of different industries. Some weren't very glamorous. Um, and eventually, you know, he set up um, his antiques business but just before we were born. Um, but, you know, when I was growing up, it was great to have a dad that was always there. You know, he could come and pick me up. He could be there at sports day, etc. A lot of my friends, their dads worked in London and, you know, they wouldn't be home till like 11 p.m. at night. And I just, I always kind of saw the difference and thought, wow, that must, you know, really suck just not being able to see your kids during the week or not being able to see your dad. Um, so, you know, he kind of always instilled in me that, you know, that just gives you freedom. And I think, you know, it wasn't ever, well, you should start a business, but I think I saw the benefit and that's kind of what spurred me on from the early age. So 16 years old, off I went onto the internet. This was back in 2004. You know, things were still quite in the infancy then, you know, the internet's changed so much, you know, over the past 15 years really, but, um, you know, there was still money to be made. And I initially just started doing odd jobs. You know, I kind of learned how to use Photoshop. So I sort of knew how to um, design graphics. So I started doing logos for people and those little flashy, annoying animated banners you used to see everywhere. Yeah. Right, I had a right. site which, uh, which sold them and, you know, it, it kind of just went from there. So what kind of business is this? What kind of business did your dad have? Uh, so he was an antiques dealer. He had a furniture shop and, um, you know, bought and sold uh, mainly furniture, um, you know, for various clients. So he could find stuff on request for people who are building both be- sort of boutique hotels and, you know, sold to, sold to the, obviously the public through, through his store. And 
you know, it was always very much a business where he was at the center of it, you know, and I remember saying to him, you know, why don't you hire staff? Mm-hmm. Um, and he kind of said to me, oh, you know, it costs money. So my approach has always been very much like as soon as I could to sort of start delegating. And, um, you know, I've got a team of around 34 now, um, still growing. Um, but, you know, it's, it's, been, it's been an interesting ride. You know, I've had over the last 15 years, I've had quite a few businesses. Some have been successes and then obviously others have been failures. So when you started in your teens, you were, you were still going to school? Did you drop out? What was, what was that like? Yeah, I mean, I, was, I finished school. Okay. Um, at, and I went off to university. And university was a real struggle for me because by that stage, I had a business which was, you know, making a good income for me. And e.g., when I graduated, I didn't then need to go off and find a job. Um, but, you know, it was tough to actually complete the degree because it was like, it was, it was kind of like I had to sort of drag myself kicking and screaming, screaming for university in order to complete because I just was really interested in working on the business. And I did um, a degree which involved like a, a placement year. So you go off and work in industry. Uh, and obviously I didn't go off and work in industry. I, I took that year out to work on my own business. Again, the university to start off with didn't agree with that. They were like, well, no, you should be going and getting experience. And I said, well, what do you think this is? <laughs> um, so eventually they agreed to let me do this. And, um, you know, it was probably, that was the pivotal point where things kind of went from, you know, I was a, a kind of making a part-time living as a student to something that was, had legs. And I could see then when I finished, you know, this would be what I would be focusing on for the sort of next few years. And what were your friends doing at this point? Were they all just you know, going through university just to get through school and then yeah. maybe they'll get a job after. What was the direction that kind of your, your circle of friends were doing? Well, I mean, it's interesting because now, you know, I look back, I graduated about 10 years ago and it's kind of, uh, people have gone off on different tangents. Interestingly, mm. one of my best friends from uni now is my operations director. Uh, so, so I ended up working with him, you know. Um, but then there's a lot of people who really just went off and, and didn't actually do much with their degrees or they didn't, they struggled to get into industry. Um, and I think, you know, when people say, I kind of went to university, I think, because I wanted to sort of please my parents more than anything. Um, but it was good in that it moved me away from home. I think it kind of taught me a lot of life skills. And before that, I was kind of quite a shy, nerdy kid, sort of hiding behind his computer in his bedroom, which was fine. But I think if I'd stuck, that, stuck at that, you know, I probably wouldn't be the same person I am today. So I think, you know, as much as the degree was great, I think I got more value from actually just being away from home, you know, standing on my own two feet and just getting out there in the real world. I think that's really valuable, especially when you're at that young age and, and you want to be an entrepreneur. You know, the business is one thing, but you can't just spend all your time working. You've got to go out there and have fun as well. Yeah, right, 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 right. Yeah, you know, time management, work-life balance seems to be one of the most consistent struggles with entrepreneurs, um, kind of universally yeah. across the board. Yeah, I agree. So you've, um, you've had some successful businesses and we'll get into, you know, I, th- I believe chronologically the first one was radio.co. Is that right? Yeah, I mean, this is, that's the first business which really has taken off, I think, yeah. Before that, Maybe give us one of your, um, just to keep your ego in check, James, give us one of your, uh, give us one of your biggest flops. Well, w- interestingly, this has actually been a flop since I launched radio.co. I, ha- I decided, you know, we're a radio provider. We need a radio station. So we launched um, a platform here in Manchester called MCR Live, which was kind of a hybrid content network radio station. Um, 
I kind of went all out because I, we was probably a year and a half, two years into launching radio.co. So we had quite a good income. The business was making significant, you know, five uh, figure profits every month. So I kind of wanted to invest in another th- project. So I probably spent, I don't know, it must have been north of a hundred thousand, maybe even closer to two on this project, which was, as I say, a radio station. We had a separate office. We had a studio. I had like four full time staff running it or maybe six actually to begin with. And, you know, it was a real, it was a passion project, but the main mistake I think I made was I didn't really go into it with a clear business strategy. It was mainly, well, let's just build an audience across obviously not just the actual radio station, but social media, um, et cetera. And also just get some local, you know, get the, the local industry, music industry, DJs and the kind of the community on board, and then we'll be able to monetize it. And actually it just didn't work. You know, we were two years in and I decided eventually it was great fun to run. You know, we used to throw big events. Um, we worked with numerous famous DJs who would come in and stuff. So, uh, you know, it, it gave us a lot of credibility, but it just unfortunately wasn't making any money. So I decided to pull the plug and, you know, that's, uh, that's certainly money I'm never going to get back. You know, it's, it's, um, this is an interesting, interesting thought to me because, <clears throat> excuse me, when I, one of my first jobs out of school was actually, I worked at radio stations. So I, was, yeah. um, I sold advertising primarily did promotions. I did whatever I could really to make money. And, um, but you know, seeing that the growth of podcasting and what's happening in terrestrial radio, what, what do you, what do you see as the future of local and terrestrial radio? Where, where do you think it's going? Is it dying? Is it a dinosaur? Does it have, still have life for a while? What, what's, your, what's your opinion on that? Well, I don't know um, if it's the same in the US, but certainly here in the UK, and this is happening in various other countries, um, a lot of small local radio stations have lost their soul. They've been sort of acquired by centralized groups. Um, and as a result, a lot of the output from each station it comes from a centralized location so you don't have that local connection with the on-air talent that you once did they, they sometimes have to do a couple of programs just to kind of keep their license or whatever which have to be broadcast from the local area but most of the content is centralized and i think that's a real shame um is radio dying absolutely not i think the interestingly since lockdown uh, with radio.co we've seen a huge increase in listener numbers across the board uh, for all of our customers just because people like that human connection. And I think the idea that someone on the other end of the wire, so to speak, um, has a big appeal and that you have that connection that perhaps you don't get by listening to podcasts and certainly don't get by listening to, you know, a computer algorithm generated playlist on Spotify. Yeah. It's, it's interesting to me. I, I, I love radio. I love the, you know, what I, what I grew up, I'm, I'm a wee bit older than you. Um, but radio is always a big part of my life. You know, I listen to for new music and, and catch yeah, up. And there's only, there's one radio station now that I stream out of Seattle, uh, KPEX, I believe is what it is. And I love it, man, because I get, you know, I still get these, like they'll have these weird evenings of, you know, these, these strange, like African jazz or you know, something that I've never listened to. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's so cool to listen to new things, hear the, you know, the local DJs talk about it. You learn so much. And I think there's something about that that really can't ever be substituted. And I, and it is happening here is to answer your question is a lot of, you know, these stations are getting, um, you know, syndicated nationally and it's, it's really kind of lost its, uh, its character in many ways. So radio.co, tell, tell me all about it. Tell us audience what it is. 
Yeah. So in essential, you know, just sort of break it down to layman's terms. Okay. We are, we're a platform and it really allows you, it's like a radio station in a box. Um, so you sign up, you have access to stream live. You can also schedule playlists uh, to go out at specific times of the day. So kind of, you don't have to run your computer overnight. You can literally, you know, schedule it all from the cloud and it will completely automate the output of your station. Um, you can invite d- other DJs to broadcast from anywhere. Um, and we offer various other tools. So it handles the streaming side of things. It tracks who's listening, you know, how long they've tuned in from, where they're listening from. You can build players for your site. So it's kind of really a Swiss army knife for broadcasters. Um, we tried really to make it simple to use. Traditionally, getting into radio or starting a radio station has been very costly. So either you need to invest in lots of physical equipment or, you know, you need to sometimes buy very expensive software, which actually isn't very good a lot of the time. It's really dated. They haven't updated it for years because it's so industry specific. So our kind of ethos has always been just to simplify the whole process and make it accessible to anyone. Um, So, yeah, we, we have clients in every corner of the globe, practically, I think, and you know again it's a lot of very niche stations like you mentioned before people playing very specific genres of music but also we've seen a lot of brands turning to radio as a kind of extension of their marketing so we have live music venues for example um we have record labels um we even had uh, whiskers pet foods sort of start this thing called cat calm radio which was like a station for cats which was like a literally an advertising <laughs> campaign they ran so, yeah, it's not traditionally what you'd always imagine just to be radio stations. But, um, you know, it's been been used by, you know, a wide variety of, of use cases, you know, music festivals, etc. So, um, yeah, it's a really exciting project to be involved with. So if I wanted to start a local radio station here mm. from scratch, your radio dot co could help me do that is that am i getting yeah, that right basically that's exactly it yeah i mean it, it handles everything um streaming so you can kind of put a player on your website you could then f- connect that feed to a physical transmitter if you have a license etc and mm. um, we do have clients who, who use it for that purpose we use that we did exactly that here in manchester when we ran mcr live um so yeah it's, it's really just kind of a comprehensive solution so when i look at that so th- I, I guess the fundamental differences are is that with a radio station, you're kind of always on, right? Yes. Okay. And a podcast is pre-recorded, put out there yep. or live and people just take it when they want it. Is that mm-hmm. the fundamental difference, would you say, or am I missing something? Yeah, I'd say, I'd say that's different. You know, uh, that's the difference. And I think, interestingly, we went into podcasting because there seems a natural crossover between the two. Um, interestingly, you know, not every radio station wants a podcast. Some do, but not very many podcasts want a radio station you know so they are kind of two separate markets um i think it's just our expertise in the audio space and also just a lot of requests from clients you know they wanted a initially we looked at building a podcasting feature into radio.co but it kind of made more and more sense that we'd spin it out as a separate entity so we launched podcast.co in uh, about this time last year it was sort of end of may when it went live okay okay so podcast.co is, is fairly new mm. so let's talk about that when, when did you see did you recognize that podcasting was going to be big? I think things started changing around 2015, 2016. You know, there was this resurgence um, and it's kind of like over the last three years, this new industry has been created, which probably didn't really exist uh, until sort of five years ago, maybe not even until three years ago. I think more consumers now understand and listen to podcasts 
whereas if you kind of rewound say to back to 2010 you know and interestingly even back then i remember i started um a very i kind of built a very crude podcasting platform because i'd started a podcast in 2008 with my friend we ran it for about a year uh it doesn't exist anymore it's actually i, I was trying to find the episodes we recorded and i can't i can't get them i don't know where they've gone but um I, i'll for sure i'll dig them out one day but yeah it's it's kind of back then it was still an enthusiast a, a platform which is reserved a bit like nerds, nerds and enthusiasts, because, you know, the process for getting a podcast then was you downloaded it to your computer, you know, to moved it onto your iPod. And that's not really kind of widely accessible. It's a lot for some people to understand. So nowadays you can, you know, you go on Spotify, just like you would, you know, you could be on the move, on the train, on the bus, on the car, and, you know, you can, you tune in on the go, just streams it directly to your device. So I think those kind of changes, the more, availability of data on people's mobile devices and also things like smart speakers have helped sort of drive the, the rise in popularity. And then furthermore, just also the fact that so many celebrities are getting involved, which means, you know, they already have big audiences are following them. So those audiences have been listening to their podcasts and then discovering others also. So I think it's been great for, for the industry as a whole. Yeah. So what is, describe me, what does podcast.co do? What does the service provide? So in a similar way to, to radio.co, it's a sort of full service podcast platform. So if you want to start a podcast, you sign up, you can upload your episode just by drag and drop. And then we handle all the kind of technical side of it. So we submit to Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google, uh, and so on and so forth. And obviously you can um, track who's listening, you know, look at your download numbers, look at where people are listening from, what devices they've used. Um, you can create little videos from your podcast. It will turn your podcast from audio into text, transcribe them, um, and, and various other features. You know, again, it's kind of a really good system for, for uh, businesses who make podcasts for clients. So you can have lots of users attached to your account, multiple podcasts. So we tried to make it really, again, the ethos of Radio.co is just simple, breaking down the sort of complicated technical barriers. One of the reasons we created the platform is we looked at the industry and we thought, you know, a lot of the players that have been in it for some time, um, without going into any names, you know, they were kind of really dated. They had a bad feel to their user experience and they just were kind of techy and not very user friendly. So we wanted to create something that was, you know, professionally designed and easy to use for people who are coming into the medium. It is overwhelming. I mean, I'm, I'm you know, this is my third podcast that I've launched and, yeah. <clears throat> you know, the checklist of things that you have to do right? To get it going and how many things can be easily missed. I mean, I'm looking back at, you know, the future of fitness podcasts have done 190 something episodes mm -hmm. and I'm looking, I'm like, wait, I'm not even on all the platforms yet. Like how did that happen? Right? Yeah. <laughs> what, am I, what am I doing? There, there's a lot to it. And how do you, how, so if I was going to stack you guys up against like, um, you know, Lipson or Blueberry or Buzzsprout or one of those, mm -hmm. like what, what is, how does this, how does that, how does your service differ than theirs? I mean, it's a tough question to answer. I mean, ultimately, they all do the same thing, right? You know, okay. we've got various, very, very value-added features. You know, you can create little videos and things. Um, but ultimately, as well, I think they are very dated when you look at them. The, guy, the, the players you just mentioned, I just think their user experience is not the best. Um, so, you know, that's what we wanted to do, create a clean, modern experience. We also have um, our marketing um, ethos for, for both companies has always just been to provide a tremendous amount of value up front. So... Our websites are both, uh, both websites are filled with information. We have YouTube videos, 
which go into some detail about you know how to concept and create a podcast you know if you're starting a radio station which equipment you might need to buy and that's kind of been part of our strategy all along so you know again a lot of the we've we felt that a lot of our competitors weren't serving the market very well in that way um so it was very important and interestingly we actually launched the podcast.co brand probably about a year before we put put the product to market just started providing value to people and, and writing articles and you know getting traction in in the uh, the industry yeah awesome man and you know i there's a lot of things that are said about the podcast industry. I mean, you look at like the Joe Rogan deal, it's groundbreaking, right? Um, I don't know all the details. I just know the guy made a hundred million and yeah, supposedly, all, yeah, yeah, <laughs> supposedly. Right. And, and he also gets to, you know, keep, I believe he gets to keep his sponsor money. He has total freedom of over what he says. Uh, and we'll see how that, that plays out for him. But that, mm. that was big. That's a, a big, um, flag in the ground for podcasting. And, you know, a lot of people say, well, you know, it's a saturated market, you know, there's too many podcasts out there. And then you think about, you know, people, um, who do I see who's just starting a podcast, uh, a really famous, uh, NFL football player here in the United States started to start a podcast, right. Uh, he'll probably get oh, Greg Olson. I believe he'll get a, a ton of people just listening from the get go, but mm-hmm. to the average Joe and Jane, right. Just someone who, you know, has a microphone, really wants to start a podcast, passionate about it, has a topic they want to discuss or just loves interviewing people like me. What do you think the future holds, man? Like, is it, is it still a worthwhile venture? Is it possible to get to numbers where someday you get sponsorship or what do you tell the the new person who maybe doesn't have a built-in audience? Well, it's different wants and needs for for doing it really. I think Mm -hmm. the first thing to consider is there's about a million podcasts now, a million active podcasts. If you compare that to number of active YouTube accounts or Instagram accounts or Facebook pages or blogs, it's still a tiny number. So there is still opportunity there, I believe. Um, and when you look at the listening numbers, uh, I don't have them off the top of my head, but you know, it feels like there's lots, lots more people listening to podcasts than there are podcasts. So when people say, oh, is it too late or, you know, it's too competitive, I try and reassure them, you know, that if you work hard at it, you've got a good strategy, you've got a good understanding of who your audience will be. That's very important from the get-go. Also, if you're doing it for business purposes, so, you know, many of our clients aren't necessarily looking to raise sponsorship, but they might be using it as a tool to drive more sales leads into their company or um, communicate and educate their customers better. Um, So you don't necessarily always need a huge audience to, to kind of, deliver some kind of result you know if your audience is very focused and very niche and you know that you might only have say 500 people downloading each an episode every week but if you think about you know the opportunity to go out and speak to 500 people a week in you know a normal environment like let's say you got invited to some event every single week where you could get in front of 100 to 500 people most small business owners would jump at the chance of doing that you know um, the benefit of podcasting versus other mediums also is you have people's attention for much longer. Generally speaking, 70% of listeners will actually complete the episode. Now, bear in mind, you know, podcast episodes can range from, I don't know, five, 10 minutes, up, right up to sort of 45 minutes to an hour. Some are even longer. You know, that's as marketers, that's an incredible opportunity um, to have someone's attention for that long. You know, you can use that to your advantage for either growing your business Uh, or just kind of building a closer relationship with your market. So I think, you know, there's still plenty of opportunity there. It's just about how you execute it. And also, you know, thinking, just thinking about the why to begin with, I think is very important. 
Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree. And I, I read somewhere or listened somewhere, probably listened because I listened to a lot of podcasts that, you know, on average, the person, if a person who listens to podcasts, listens to at least seven. Yeah. So there, there's a lot to it. And, you know, mm-hmm. I look at my wife as an example who, you know, her husband's been podcasting for three years yet. She's just started listening to podcasts about two months ago. Mm-hmm. And uh, now she listens to three or four or five and she loves it. She's even listening to the Joe Rogan show because she hears me talking about it all the time. So the audience is still out there and a lot of people don't even know how to access podcasts yet. I mean, yeah. that's, I mean that's a pretty interesting thing as well. One, one of the tools that we've been playing around with is just the idea of um, embedding podcasts and blog posts. So we've been mm-hmm. on podcast.co, especially we've been trying this in quite a few of our most popular articles. Um, just record the article as audio, literally read it out. And actually we've been doing this in house just with our team, but you could easily outsource this. You could easily uh, hire a, a voiceover to record uh, your content for you. Embed that player on the page. You know, you're immediately getting someone to pay attention to that page for longer, which again is benefiting your SEO because if Google sees p- people are engaging with your content and spending more time on your website, um, you know, that will help you with your rankings overall. So, you know, there's multiple ways you can use it. It doesn't necessarily always have to just be, well, people are finding us via Spotify or um, Apple Podcasts. You know, you can engage with your existing audience. You can have um, potentially a feed, which is, is private, you know, so for your, for your existing customer base, um, maybe make it exclusive so that they can only listen when they, they're subscribed to your service or your product. Um, you know, and I think also the, the entry level is quite easy, isn't it? Like, it's a very natural way of communicating with someone. So, for example, like you and I are chatting at the moment, um, it's not intimidating. I think sometimes when you put a camera in front of someone, immediately they kind of seize up, especially if they're not used to it. And if you want to kind of get your team involved, you know, just putting a microphone and, and recording a conversation that you might normally have anyway can be sometimes really interesting to your customer base. Yeah, I totally agree. And, you know, one of the reasons I, when I started my, my first podcast in 2017, you know, I just really want a podcast, man. I want to have some really cool conversations. I want yeah. to uh, have the opportunity to interview people who I considered experts in my field, mm-hmm. which was the fitness industry. And then it just started, then I got addicted. You know, I'm like, well, I'll just commit to 10. I'll commit to 50. And then I did a hundred and I'm like, yeah. and then it just kept rolling. Right. And there's so many benefits to it. And then I, I realized that, wow, this is actually a really powerful sales funnel for what I do. Mm. And I created the podcast sales system, which I now, you know, train people on and, and, you know, it, it, you don't even like the audience to me is important. You know, Mm. the people who listen are really important, but for me, it's all about relationships, man. It's the relationship that I have now, now have with James Mulvaney, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's a very powerful thing. And I think that's one of the most understated yet powerful uh, attributes you get from being a podcast host. Most podcast hosts, I mean, and we'll get into matchmaker.fm here in a second, because I think it's a, it's a beautiful concept. We're some of the most well-networked people out there, yet people don't really know it. Um, Yeah. Because it's like, it's rare, isn't it? That you get an opportunity to sit down with like founders, CEOs, you know, business leaders in whatever area of expertise that you might have, Um, you know, in a normal sort of situation. I think, you know, if you normally ring up and say, oh, can I speak to the CEO, please? The answer is just going to be no, isn't it? But if yes. you say I would like to interview them for my podcast, it does open doors and you can learn so much. And I just think, you know, like you said, I've just had so many fascinating, fascinating conversations, both by listening to them and also, you know, actually engaging with them myself as a guest and as also a host than most other people like would do if you're not involved in podcasting. And again, you can meet people across 
technology now makes it so simple to network with people across the world. So, you know, it's a real, real valuable resource from that respect. I completely agree with you there. Yeah, it's cool. I mean, I, uh, I think I'll be doing this for the rest of my life, right? Yeah. Until something new comes up. Um, so matchmaker.fm, what, mm. what was the impetus? What was the moment where you're like, well, there's a need for this? Yeah. So, so this is, you know, something that I haven't always been the best at with, as an entrepreneur. People always talk about building MVPs, minimum viable products. <laughs> right. So uh, this time last year, it was probably yeah, May, June, we were launching podcast.co. We were looking at the industry and we thought, well, there's about, I think it's something like 60, 65% of podcasts at least, maybe even more a bit based on interviews and having guests on. So we thought, well, this is a good market, you know, because a lot of people who are searching to be on podcasts as a guest might also be looking then to start their own podcast. So we kind of set up some landing pages on the podcast.co site. Really simple. You know, one was like, if you're a podcaster and you want to meet cooler guests, fill out this form. And it wasn't just like a name and email thing. It was a Google form where we asked them what sort of people they wanted to meet, you know, uh, what their podcast was about, um, and et cetera, et cetera. And then we had another page, which was exactly the opposite. So it said, if you want to be a guest on other people's podcasts, fill out this form, tell us about yourself, tell us about what areas of expertise you have. Um, and people were filling these forms out with some detail, you know, not just like, as I say, give us your name and your email, but actually just tell us about yourself, almost like creating a profile. Um, but then we didn't actually have any way of matching these people together. So we thought, well, actually, maybe we're onto something here. This is um, obviously there's a demand for this because people were responding to, you know, at such length to these kind of call to actions. Um, so we thought, let's, let's start concepting the platform. So we got our designer to mock up um, initially uh, some, some UI sort of stuff for us, wireframes, basically. Um, and one of the ideas we had was, why don't we make it like Tinder? So we actually designed like a swipe right, swipe left style interface uh, included as part of this product, which we never ended up building. Um, but yeah, these sort of designs sat there probably for three, four months. And then towards the end of the year, I thought, well, maybe we should actually invest some time and money in, in building this thing. We had a, a couple of junior developers who, who had been working on um, other areas of the business. They've been actually working on the main site. Um, so we said, you know, how do you fancy about, you know, so we kind of created the sub team. So how do you fancy working on this project? We knew that it wasn't necessarily going to be a big money maker to begin with. Um, so as I said, this is why we had quite a junior development team creating it. Um, but they, they sort of built it, build it, you know, put it together over like a several month period. I think we were aiming to have it ready for like the autumn, but it ended up being like early this year. So we launched in February um, and just got such a great reception from the get go. Um, and it's really, you know, it's a simple premise. It's just connecting podcasters and guests, um, completely free to sign up currently. We'll probably have to switch to a freemium model at some point, but you know, it's also been, it has been a good funnel to, to get clients onto podcast.co as well. Um, and you know, I think there's so much more we can do with it in terms of, you know, growing it, perhaps going to other marketing verticals. So not just looking at podcasting, but potentially like connecting influencers together or video, um, you know, content creators. Um, and also, you know, we're trying to grow it in terms of features. So we're kind of really paying attention to it now, um, starting to kind of scale up the size of the development team. So we just had another full-time developer join the team so we can kind of start really ramping things up. Yeah, it's, it's a really cool platform. And I have to give kudos, whoever came up to, uh, came up with the, the slogan of Tinder for podcasters. <laughs> who, who, yeah. 
Oh, that's genius. I, I can't remember. I mean, this was just one of these things, you know, you come up with and you sat in a meeting room, which obviously is weird because we, you don't do this. We're not doing this now. But, um, you know, we, we were just brainstorming ideas of names for the platform. And we were like, well, it's kind of just like a, a dating service, really, <laughs> um, I guess. And, and we kind of thought, well, matchmaker, because it's kind of like a bit like matched. And, you know, and then interestingly, we didn't, um, we called it matchmaker without, re- without registering the .fm domain. And we didn't get that until like, I was trying to go f- through like different, cause you can buy millions of different domain extensions now. And I was trying to find a good one. And I just didn't think to look at .fm and it was available. I thought that's perfect. Um, but yeah, it was, um, as I say, we initially, we had part of the designs was actually like a Tinder style interface. We kind of swipe left and right. So who knows one day, maybe we'll actually build that. But um, for now, you know, it's super simple to kind of filter down based on, you know, what sort of podcast you want to be in and what sort of guests you want to find. It's all based on the iTunes categories we're going to add sort of more filters as, as we move forward. But um, to begin with, you know, it's great. You can filter by category, location. Uh, if people are up for doing face-to-face interviews, which obviously isn't very common right now, but, you know, sometimes people like to do that as well. Uh, and also, again, one of the big things I think with having guests on is to see if they've got good quality equipment. So, you know, you could specify if you're a guest, if you've got a decent microphone. You know, it's always good to know that they actually uh, have some... some uh, equipment available because i think when you interview someone they're sort of in a big echoey room with just losing their laptop or iphone microphone it sometimes doesn't make for a very pleasant listening experience um so yeah it's it, it, we're routing video into it as well so um that's kind of one of our upcoming big features you'll actually be able to record videos sort or of profile pictures potentially add that into the messaging system as well well, yeah, you know, sticking with the dating website analogy, I'm curious because I, I would imagine I've never run a dating website, but I would yes, imagine, there's, <laughs> yeah, I imagine there's probably a lot more guys, right, on it, uh, you know, looking for for women or you know, like, I guess the guys will be always looking for to get you know uh, a date with a woman. Women may be more um, picky, right? Yeah, I'm, I'm just generalizing. I don't know, but I think. I would imagine too on the matchmaker.fm platform, there's probably a lot more people who want to get onto other podcasts versus people who want looking for guests. Is that right? Or what are you seeing from your side? That is, um, yeah. I mean, this is one of the things we're conscious about because we don't, we want to make sure that there's, there, I think there needs to be more podcast, more guests and podcasters because you need to give podcasters choice. Right. But interestingly, we've kind of managed to keep it. They're not on level. So there is more guest profiles. You're right. Um, than there is podcast profiles, but it, the the difference between them, I think it's like probably about eighty percent to twenty percent more guest profiles than there is podcast profiles. So there's still a lot of podcasts on there. Um, you know, it's it's as I say, I think one of our things that we were pretty conscious about is that we wanted to make sure that we're kind of giving both groups choice. And of course, a lot of podcasters as well have a guest profile themselves because you know it's a great way of promoting your own podcast is by appearing on other people's shows. Um, and a lot of people who are involved in podcasting, uh, you know, will, will regularly guest gig as well. And likewise, I think then a lot of guests end up wanting to create their own podcast once they've been on a few. It's kind of sometimes a good way of, uh, I suppose, dipping a toe in, in the medium and sort of getting it some experience behind the microphone. So it's kind of, oh, I've been a guest now 10 times. Well, I could easily do this myself. I kind of feel confident in speaking. So why don't I start my own podcast? So yeah, I think there's it's going to be interesting to see as we progress. We've just to say hit 5,000 users. Um, our aim is to try and get to sort of 10,000 next, which will probably happen, I think, probably in like two, three months time. So it's starting to kind of pick up um, the growth. And of course, um, 
currently it's a completely closed off ecosystem. So you have to register to sort of get access to profiles. So again, one of the things we want to do is, is maybe make that a bit more open so you can start sharing your profile on social media, which again will further help us spur the growth of the, uh, the platform. So I'm curious, I think I, I know I'm on there as a podcaster. Do I have to yeah. create a separate um, page for me as a guest or is that, did that happen automatically? I should probably, no, no. I need to go back and check. Yeah. So when you first sign up, it gives you the option. You can choose basically which kind of side of the fence you want to sit on. You can say, I want to be a guest. I want to be a podcaster or I want to be a guest and a podcaster. Um, so yeah, you can create, you have to create a separate profile for yourself as a guest because um, there's slightly different fields, I think, but you know, there obviously is kind of some similarities in the, the profile look and feel and uh, et cetera. But yeah, I think um, you have to basically create a profile for your show. Currently you can create multiple profiles for different shows as well. And one of the features that we've had asked, uh, you know, we've got a lot of agencies, so PR uh, management companies uh, for, for influencers, et cetera. And they want a way of managing multiple guests. So basically adding all their clients and dealing with all the kind of podcast requests for them, which makes sense. So again, that's something we're kind of be, going to be looking into uh, later in the year. Yeah, man, there's so much you can do with that. It's awesome. Mm. So what is, uh, as you grow and with these multiple businesses that you have, James, what, what's, what's the biggest challenge you have in, in business right now? Well, I think um, for me, you know, uh, it's, it's a very tricky question to answer, answer because, we're, you know, we've got so much going on. Um, so much is right with the business. Um, I try and sort of squash things that go wrong. I think one of the big challenges over the past couple of years has just been as we've grown. So rewind when we launched radio.co, we were a very small team, probably like maybe 10 or so people. And we'd all been working to each other with each other for a couple of years. So I always think it's challenging taking new team members on and making sure that they integrate and they kind of fit in with the company culture because that's always been hugely important to me as an entrepreneur, you know, to have this kind of, environment that you know you can be proud of and that people enjoy working in um and you know making sure that you've got the right fit for culture is is sometimes difficult because you need to make sure you you know number one that that person is really capable of doing what they say they can do which is great but once you've sort of ticked that box you need to then make sure that you know they're going to just gel with the rest of the team and there's been you know there has been times where we've hired people and they've just not fitted in with with the rest of the team and you know i think that makes a big difference if everyone's kind of on the same page so I'd say that's probably the biggest challenge, um, you know, and also recruitment. Interestingly, when I moved to Manchester 10 years ago, I moved here just after I graduated university and I went to uni not very far away from here. And I kind of wanted to move somewhere that was a city. So there was uh, good options for recruiting, you know, technically skilled staff. Um, there's three different universities here as well. Um, but recruiting now has become so much more difficult and more expensive than when I first moved it because there wasn't really like a tech scene here. Um, but nowadays, you know, the, it's kind of quite well established and there are some big companies who are competing against, um, which is always tricky as well. Yeah. And I'm, you know, I, I want to respect your time. So I'll keep, keep this just to, to one more question. Mm. In, in today's date of recording is June 30th, 2020, yep. right? Um, I mean, I don't know how it is over there here in the States. We're seeing a resurgence of the COVID virus. Um, it's, it's a madhouse here. I'll just say mm. that. Um, luckily I'm in Montana. It's probably one of the best places to ride out a pandemic, but as your, from your point of view, how has the, the lockdowns, the, um, switch to remote workplaces 
all this, how do you see it affecting the podcast industry? Well, I think there's been a lot of people who started podcasts in yep. um, over the last few months. Um, people have seen it as a way of, well, actually, you know, I can communicate, I can interview people anywhere in the world. Um, I think as a business, you know, we've, it's taught us a lot of valuable lessons. We, we, we were really lucky in that we could go remote very quickly. You know, traditionally, we have been very much an in-house team here in Manchester. Um, but, you know, actually, we've started, we had to recruit some extra, some extra staff at the beginning of lockdown because we were seeing an increase in signups, specifically on radio.co, actually. We saw a big hike in the number of people starting stations and also um, a big hike in, in listener traffic. So we wanted to hire some people. So we actually ended up hiring, um, you know, one guy in California, another in Canada, and then another person in um, a, a town not too far away from here, actually. But traditionally, we'd always be just immediately, we'd by default, just be looking to hire locally. So I think potentially moving forward, we'll, we might switch to more of a remote working environment. And, and also, I think that opens up more opportunities because, again, it's sort of, for some, for some people based in some locations, it kind of means that you can recruit further and wider. Therefore, you can find better people or it might not necessarily be as expensive to hire. So, you know, I think there's going to be positives and negatives. Obviously, it's, it's a horrible situation we're in and it's quite scary. But um, from a business point of view, there's going to be lots of companies that think, do we actually really need an office moving forward? Yeah, that's kind of my take on it. Yeah, I would agree 100%. Yeah, and it's interesting too. I know at first I, I saw in a lot of my podcasts, uh, associates as well saw a downtick in downloads and listenership just because mm. I presume people aren't driving anymore, right? They're not going to the gym yeah. as much, but it seems to come back. It's, it seems to have come back. It's you know it's a small dip, but is that anything that you've seen as well, or do you think uh, you think we're going to you think it's going to be a big time of growth? Well, I saw. I mean, with podcasts, I say with radio, we saw a huge spike in in traffic. With podcast, mm. it kind of stayed about the same. Um, I noticed on LinkedIn as well, like engagement went right down with LinkedIn. I mean, LinkedIn is fantastic for um, organic engagement as a platform. Um, and I noticed that people weren't on there as much. Now, I always think, well, is that because like LinkedIn is a kind of a legitimate thing that you can be sat on in your office and your boss is not going to be like, what are you doing? <laughs> but obviously, if you're sat on Facebook, you're going to get told off. So I don't know if that was why the engagement on LinkedIn dip. But then I've noticed again, that sort of picked back up now. So I'm not sure. I think it's quite hard to predict um, you know, how things will change. I think you're right. There are people who listen to podcasts normally in the gym when they're out for a run, when they're uh, driving to and from work, so on and so forth. So you know, perhaps why, that's why engagement suffered a bit. But then ultimately as well, there are people who um, you know, have more time on their hands. I think I've listened to more podcasts personally because I, I, my, my way, of I listen, way I consume them, I don't always subscribe to them and listen to like loads of episodes of one podcast. I dip in and out and listen to like many different podcasts um so i kind of have been listening to quite a few in the background as i've been working but you know we shall see yeah awesome well, james this this has been uh, a great conversation for me personally i could talk about podcasting with you all day so uh, <laughs> it's been, yeah i hope uh, i hope everyone else finds it as useful as i do H how do people get a hold of you what, what's the best way i know you've also been on a just tear of getting on podcasts right mm. you've just been uh, you've been an animal with that so you know, people want to get you on their show. If they want to reach out, they want to find out more about you. What's, what's the, uh, give them the goods, man. Where do they go? Yeah, sure. So I'm going to obviously check out our websites, podcast.co, radio.co, matchmaker.fm. And then if you want to check out my uh, social media accounts, if you go to jamesm.com slash connect, that's jamesm.com slash connect, 
Uh, they're all listed on there. I'm constantly pushing out content about podcasting and radio and all sorts of crazy fun stuff. Yeah, man. Well, James, thank you so much. I really Cheers, appreciate Eric. it. Yeah. Yeah. And, I really appreciate uh, you having me on. Yeah. Yeah. From one podcaster to another, I, I always appreciate <laughs> it. So keep up the great work, my friend, right. and uh, maybe we'll get you back on the show in about six to 12. Cool, man. Cool, man. Thanks a lot. Hey, everybody. This is your host, Eric Malzone. Don't leave yet. I have a few more requests for you. So if you got value out of this podcast, I ask you to do a few things. Number one, go to wherever you're listening, whether that be Apple Podcasts, Overcast, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and go ahead and subscribe to the show. Number two, while you're there, if you feel that we earned it, please leave us a nice review. Number three, share it. Whether it be social media, email, texting, whatever it may be, I'm sure you know somebody who would get value out of this episode just like you did. So please go ahead and share it. And that's how we get the word out. So it's really valuable and super appreciative. It only takes a minute of your time. Next, if you know of somebody, including yourself, who would be a great guest for the show, please head on over to level5mentors.com, L-E-V-E-L, the number five, mentors.com. Get in touch with me. Let me know what you're thinking. Uh, Make an introduction, whatever it may be. You can also get me directly in my email, which is eric, E-R-I-C, at level5mentors.com. Lastly, if you just want to chat, you want to find out more, if you want to expand on some ideas, I love hearing from the audience. So go ahead and hit me up on social media. I'm on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram. You also have my email already. So I love to hear from you. I'm always looking for ways to improve the show and I'm always looking to have great conversations. So don't hesitate to reach out. And once again, thank you for listening to the Black Diamond Podcast and you can expect a lot more from us.